1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Kings County Distillery is New York City's premier craft distillery and among the most acclaimed small distilleries in the United States. Focused exclusively on whiskeys, Kings County has made a name for its bourbon, peated bourbon, empire rye, and other creative whiskeys. Kings County blends distilling practices from a variety of cultures into creative whiskeys that remain traditional while defying convention. Using Scottish pot, copper pot stills, open fermentation, and local grains to make American whiskeys that expand the category, one of the preeminent craft distilleries in the United States, the American Distilling Institute named Kings County Distillery of the Year in 2016. What makes Kings County Whiskey different? Because they distill all their whiskey themselves, according to their own specification, and they don't resell their whiskeys to other brands. I'm partial to the cast string, clocking in over 120 proof because of all the extra flavor you get when you forego dilution, but I also want to get my hands on their multi-award winning bottled and bond offering. But every expression is delicious. You can't go wrong. Kings County can be found across the U.S. Go to kingscountydistillery.com to find out where.
0: I wanted to choose a particular type of film I know I'm going to have someone else to talk about it with and this is one where when I watch it with another person I always have a profound experience of intimacy mm-hmm. that is different each time and sometimes you know not perfect intimacy sometimes very awkward but um for me it's a guaranteed um moment when I'm going to feel something alongside another person Mm. you know and another thing is you know the first time i watched this movie it was in the theaters when it came out in 2012 and it was in some of my last um, months or last year of being single before Mm. i entered this relationship that i've been in all the rest of the time and so the emotional markers in this movie for me are really deeply tied to being a younger woman Mm. and the particular type of like vulnerability and uncontrollable openness Mm. that you sometimes experience in the world as as a younger woman.
1: Welcome to Open Form. I'm Michael Denzel Smith. Akiko is trapped in several relationships she sees no way out of. One is with her work. She is an escort with little flexibility to determine her clients or schedule. The other is with her boyfriend. He is angry, jealous, and also verbally and physically abusive. Each competes for her attention, while a new, kind, older client appears who also seeks her companionship. Lost in all this is what Akiko wants for herself. This week's film is Like Someone in Love, and it was chosen by Alexandra Kleeman, author of the acclaimed novel, You Too Can Have a Body Like Mine, and the recently released Something New Under the Sun.
2: And in relation to our uh, protagonist here, Akiko, who uh, is a student, but is introduced to us mostly as a sex worker, um, who uh, is... Seems to be a little exhausted by, uh, on one particular day, uh, her assignment. And, you know, her grandmother is in town and she would like to visit her at some point, but also she's in this very abusive and controlling relationship. And, you know, we're just sort of following her for, like, yeah, about a day or so.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, it, I- I think that's the way you put it that we're following her um it feels in this movie like you are on a leash or something tied mm. to this character a lot of the time, and um you feel your own presence as a viewer in a way mm. that's voyeuristic and a little creepy sometimes and also very tender i think and I think um creepiness and tenderness have always been overlapping mm. <laughs> uh, sensations for me. there's something about watching someone sleep even when you're allowed to Mm. that is such a profound space much to experience love, but also you're such a spook for doing it, you Mm. know, and what are you getting from it? What are you taking from someone with your gaze? And so I think um, Akiko is this focal point that causes me to experience all these feelings, to reflect on them, and also to feel sort of in an uncontrollable way this connection to her um that i think you're expected to feel a lot of times with protagonists of movies but you're expected to feel it seamlessly and there's mm. so many moments in watching this movie where i become aware of how i'm feeding on her face sort of mm. by looking at it that i'm you know taking from her what a lover or a client or something would take and i'm a, I'm allowed to do it, but it still feels
2: a bit taboo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's no, interesting the way you put that, and sort of and feeding on her. And I feel that like it's atmo- like the atmosphere allows for it, particularly because there's no music in the film, into and, so, and like mm-hmm. because the camera remains very close uh, for so much of it uh, that like. That, that intimacy feels just like you're describing sort of creepy, right? Because there's no yeah. remove, like you don't yeah. get sort of like these, any other sensation, right? Like you're, you're very much in the world that, that she is embodying uh, and you are, you're right there alongside her as she's negotiating these very like these various different modes of herself.
0: Yes, where as she's negotiating um you know being uh, just a person mm-hmm. and then being a person, a sex worker doing her job, and there is no um mm-hmm. moment in which she these two things are not somehow in conflict um and I think the question of which life is her private life and which life is her work life is mm-hmm. constantly upended um like that she has this job that is extremely intimate that is emotional labor that is physical labor mm-hmm. that involves um going through the performance of gestures like love um and then she has this relationship that should you know correspond to her true self but also seems like it's counterbalancing the thing that she does for work and mm-hmm. is as much a forced performance as much as you know when you Uh, Put on your work face Mm -hmm. I I feel that um, She composes herself For that romantic relationship As well and film does Such a good job not answering Questions I think because There there are questions like she's a student How badly does she need this job Is there a thrill in this job or is there A pleasure in it when Mm -hmm. um, It's not directly in conflict with Seeing her grandmother Or one of these other things I can see interfacing with clients without the expectation of of your emotional performance being genuine, being a space of freedom for Mm. Mm. her, if that makes sense. Um, Because I've experienced feelings like that myself, I think, where intimacies that are less genuine or less deep can feel like I have more room to play and actually express myself rather than maintaining Mm. the the thing. And the
1: Version of myself that I'm trying to, that i expected to project, you know.
2: There's a scene uh when she meets the client in his home, uh Watanabe Takashi, who is an older man, is a professor, writer, and uh, She's enacting exactly the performance that you're you're describing and that now that she's come into his home after not really wanting to do this, right? Like or saying to I guess you would I don't know the right term for who this man is. He's not really a pimp so much, um, in the in the sense that we He's think sad. of pimps, but he, he runs sort of, I guess, the service. Uh <laughs> And,
0: he he gives off a managerial energy. He's a right. like manager of a
2: type. <laughs> He's a manager, uh. And she's she's yelled at him. She's like, "I don't want to go. You know, I'm not going." But she is sort of reluctantly gone to work, as many of us do. <laughs> and but yeah. she's she's sort of she's immediately able to turn it on. She she knows how to be sweet and naive and charming and all of those things that she thinks that this man is interested in or like the you know previous clients have probably been interested in to be curious about who he is and what he does and to to foster that level of intimacy with him and then we know that she doesn't want to do it but it's but it's like that performance seems to come very easily to her as if it you know with that that performance comes with practice.
0: Yes. I mean, like, um, what's hard is resisting. Mm-hmm. And once you've uh, given in, like, I, I think we've probably all had the feeling of not wanting to go to work, not wanting to do whatever it is you're supposed to do for your audience or, or client or whatever. Um, and then once you get there, actually finding it's so much easier to do this thing that's expected of me than to. Decipher and protect my own interests.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and but then I think of that scene again, where she's there, and he seems to not be interested in that, right? Like he's not interested in the performance. He 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 seems like just this lonely old man, <laughs> right, who has hired this service. And, you know, we, we can talk about, like, the, the ways in which, you know, you listen to sex workers tell their tales that often it is about this, like, level of companionship, right, that, that yeah. oh, no, like, I spend most of my time just talking to clients that they just want someone to, to listen to them, to be engaged. And he seems not even to want someone to listen to him, but to, to listen to her. That he's yeah. looking for a, a connection to her uh, and interest in who she is and how she moves through the world and just to sit over a glass of wine and dinner that he's specially prepared for her, that he's thought yeah. through, right? like And and it's, uh, it's sort of like the performance on his end being in contrast to hers as as she's like, no, I'm here to work and I know what my work is. And he's asking for something different of her, or re- requiring yes. something different.
0: Yes. I mean, um, that there are actually so many different ways to be within an intimate space and that there's so many different ways in which your two versions of intimacy can be at odds. Mm-hmm. Like, I I love in this movie how um, you, you feel viscerally like you're in you're in one person's sphere of intimacy, and you're in another and then you're in the really awkward and uncomfortable meeting of the two yeah um where uh people can't help but um be in a space of mutual causality mutual affecting um Mm. and uh you know there are moments like this all the time but i especially remember um you know when i was younger there was one day when i had been asked to do goth modeling for a goth magazine um and the people who were going to drive me around were this older couple motorcycle goths Um, Mm -hmm. i was nervous a little bit and i also thought i would do it um but i was amazed at how happy i became when i sat in the back seat of their car and i trusted them to take me from one graveyard to another (laughs) i felt this incredible sense of like freedom and likeness um not totally in control but also not under threat um and with with people that i didn't know all that well like a really specific combination of things that could have resulted in a very bad experience but ended up being joyful for me
2: No, and that's that's a really sort of profound thing that I think the film expresses in that, like, I think so many people could come to the idea that, like, you know, sex work is inherently dangerous, right? But here she's having this like this experience with a client that has no uh, sense of that, right? Like that that's not a there there isn't any violence inherent in this, and this is not to say that this is never the case or that this is sort yeah. of exemplary of like what what it is day to day uh that there's this level of like kindness and almost even disinterest in the sex part of of the, the interaction but her danger in this film has nothing to do with the work right it has to do with her relationship but particularly her relationship i mean i think that uh the boyfriend is probably abusive without this, but what has been, or what's presented as dangerous is her being found out, right? Like that she yeah. is upset about the idea of her doing this work and that the work is less dangerous than his idea of the work.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, I love how you put that too, that the danger is coming from her own Supposedly personal life and not from this supposedly dangerous occupation. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, they mingle in a way that, you know, it's really difficult to extricate them when, as a person, there's no firewall you can put up Mm -hmm. between who you are in this profession and who you are outside of it.
1: And
0: she's
2: sort of attempting to find ways, but like it's all mingling, right? Like the next day after, it seems they didn't even sleep in the same bed, her and uh, Takashi, like that she fell asleep and and he just respectfully just like, oh, unplug the phone and like (laughs) sleep on the couch or something.
0: Um, I love that scene so much because Mm. um, on the one hand, you think she's perpetuated. She's gone to this appointment. um, And actually when she gets there, um, she does everything to derail it except she agrees you know she's receptive to sleeping with him and in doing so she's actually derailing his intentions and his sort of superior position mm. as a client because um she uses her sort of joking and this playful like um she climbs into his bed and takes off her clothes and says i'm so cool they just want to sleep mm. come in here with me and just when you sleep um he is freaked out by it. He's not going near her. And, um, it's like this girlishness
1: yeah. turned
0: into kind of an aggressive gesture. Cause she repels mm. him by doing that. She knows she's doing it. And she actually just wants to sleep alone. Yeah. In bed. He sleeps on the couch or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think like just a really interesting example of, um, offensive girlishness. <laughs> it's not okay. defensive. She's actually sort of pushing him out of his space yeah. and creating
2: it herself. Oh, wow. This is a new essay for you to write, offensive girlishness. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when you're saying sort of like the, there's really, seems to be no separation essentially between her professional self and what may be like her real self uh you know yeah. he drives her to school the next day right <laughs> like yeah. like it's all over and, and and I think like he does it because there's at least in my reading it's sort of like that's what he's interested in actually is caring for her there's like this something the thing that's missing for him in his life is not uh sexual contact it is the yeah. idea that like I have someone in my life that like needs me and and yeah. like needs my tenderness and care and affection right like that's what he's that's what he's sort of after, and yeah. now he's found it in her and like becomes yeah. protective of her uh but I think like it's it's interesting that he's sort of the other side of the coin with regards to the boyfriend because he also expresses a protective desire, right? Like that's where it's sort of his excuse for his abusiveness for his constant calling in the 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 opening scene when he wants to know where she is, who she's with, and makes her go into the bathroom to count the tiles at the place that she Mm -hmm. says she's she is so that he can go back and count and make make sure that
0: yeah. Yeah. But that
2: like it's still this protective Mm -hmm. urge that everyone seems to have
0: over her. Yes, absolutely, and I mean, so interesting what you point out that I think we never really know who Akiko is, but mm. we see who um, who her boyfriend wants her to be, and then who Wanabe wants her to be. They manifest two different versions of a girl who needs protection, like mm. one more like a child, and then one as this, um, I think her boyfriend says, like, you know, my friend can never capture a woman such as this, mm. you know? these two ideals and she is none of that she's something else that i think we don't even really get to see um even though we spend a lot of time in very close proximity with her
2: yeah we don't we don't get any sort of true backstory for her but we we're, we're intimately engaged with her sadness and then her performance of like charm and but then her like she's retreated i think it's it's sort of that she's retreated into herself so that such that like even as close as we get as an audience and that you know uh that the other characters get to her no one can get a real sense of her because like she's she's it's like she's had to build her own internal world where she get that that's the safest place for her
0: yeah Absolutely. Um maybe even that the emotional self she is during work and the emotional self she's then supposed to be outside of work to have more authenticity outside of work mm-hmm. and to be a different sort of person, to provide like a genuine self as opposed to a professional self. Um the effort of creating both of these selves um makes it difficult to find who you might be without without that whole apparatus i mean for example you know you work as a sex worker why you choose a boyfriend who believes so much in your purity Mm -hmm. um, and aggressively defend it from yourself and cause you physical harm you know i feel like that relationship is a counterpoint to her relationship to her work Mm -hmm. if you peel away the work when you peel
2: away the like relationships, it's not clear who you'll find there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I think that that like the boyfriend is going through i am not trying I really hope it's not coming across as I'm trying to make excuses for his abuse yeah. because I really don't, yeah. but they do right. sort of there is an unpacking of like who he is and why he's feeling this way, but it, it's very much tied up in his own sense of pride. But I think that there's also, there's class elements to this, right? Like, you you see in the conversation between him and Watanabe, uh, him talking about, like, oh, some people choose to drift through college, but I thought it was important to go to work, uh, you know. And what you were saying earlier about, like, being able to get this kind of woman, uh, you know, who's, who is pursuing a college education who he sees as sort of like this prize for his working class self to, to be able to claim and then doesn't want to let it go. Doesn't want to like fears losing her. Uh, So, so to the point that he's like, if I don't keep tabs on her, if I don't like physically restrain her, I will lose her. Um, Mm -hmm. And that, you know, he's, he's trying to, in a a number of ways console himself uh as as if it's like no like i need what i do as he's a mechanic i need what i do to be respected and who i am as a man to be respected and he's like he's only he, he seems to only be wanting to marry her to have more control over her you know.
0: yes he says right if if she marries me then she'll have to tell me where she mm-hmm. is and probably the worst reason to get married of <laughs> many bad reasons out there of the bad
2: reasons that's definitely yeah. up there um, but I, I think like he he is going through his own struggle of who he is and who he wants to be and who he wants the world to perceive him as yeah um,
0: and I I think it really ties into the point you made earlier about um another wanting someone to take care of. Because this boyfriend's proudest moment is when he can hear something wrong in the engine mm-hmm. of Waganabe's car and invite him to come to his garage free of cost and get that um, mm-hmm. timing belt replaced. So I'm not sure what Akiko's desires are, but the two men in this, they just want so desperately to take care of someone, to be mean by someone. and. Um, I feel like it's maybe the the softer end of otherwise like strict requirements about how you perform masculinity. Like, mm. are you a man? Do you have strength? If you can't take care of someone else, or if you aren't mm. are, if you aren't taking care of someone else, if no one needs you,
2: right? And I think that like in in looking at those two uh, as those sort of counterpoints, it's it's I mean the film is ambiguous and. In respect to a lot of different things, but I feel like we're sort of like supposed to be on Watanabe's side, right? Because of the way in which he's caring for her is tender. Yeah. It is not the the violent way that mm-hmm. the boyfriend seems to insist upon as like mm-hmm. care, but it's still that same drive, right? Like it's it, it's just a softer version of it, and it's like there's no. There's no sense of agency for what Akiko wants.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, what other people want her takes up so much room in this movie, mm-hmm. I don't think I don't know where we would look to see it even. Um, but yeah, I think we value some gestures of love more than others, mm-hmm. right? And they're more acceptable, and they're preferable, to be honest. Yes. But, <laughs> But um, it it is still sort of a possessive gesture, mm-hmm. I think, to want to take someone under your wing in whatever way you do that. And um, it's interesting that like, you you can hire someone to provide sexual services, but who can you hire to be you and, that's and a, to give you what you're looking, looking for?
2: And that's what's curious about Watanabe here is that like, what he's looking for, he feel like it it feels so outside of anything that he can achieve on his own that he does just he pays for the service, right? Like in hopes that he can turn it into what it what he wants.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: (sighs) Alexander, what's one lasting image that sticks with you from like someone in love?
0: Um, The one I always go back to is from early in the film. So uh, Akiko has been waiting at the cafe. She gets told she has to go out on this date. She doesn't want to go. She tries to resist. Eventually, her manager just pushes her into a cab. (laughs) and um the cab takes her through tokyo Mm -hmm. and she's avoiding meeting her grandmother she wants to meet her grandmother she doesn't want to meet her grandmother Mm -hmm. it's a confrontation she meets her grandmother and she tells the cab to go past this place where she knows her grandmother is Mm waiting. um so they go past and she's looking out the window you're looking out the window and then it seems like she's seen her and she but the cab's already moved past so she yeah. tells the cat to go around again and i think it's on that second loop around the sort of gradual stop and start movement of, of the car lets you see this square sort of rotating around in front of you right. and you're searching for the person that she's seeing and um there are these moments of false recognition looking at those figures and then you see this small old woman standing up on the monument she's not waiting um with restraint mm-hmm. or in um, a subtle way she is nervously scanning the faces of everyone who walks past she's wearing a traditional dress like that means you can tell she's like a country person mm-hmm. she's not used to this city, and more than if you had seen that figure presented to you straight up and got to linger with details, the fact that you can't bring this figure into relief, you can't see the face, you can't get the access that you want, kind of breaks my heart. Mm. And so, this is one of the few movies that I think is capable of making me tear up at the beginning. Mm. Normally, like, a movie's whole purpose is to drive you toward tears. Yeah. And this one, like, kind of killed me right at the start. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Alexandra, no, thanks so much for joining me. Yeah,
0: thank you so much for having
1: me. Thanks for listening to Open Form, a podcast from Lit Hub Radio, produced by Justin Alvarez and hosted by me, Michael Denzel Smith. Feel free to like, comment, and subscribe to Open Form wherever you get your podcasts, and or sign up for the LitHub newsletter to stay up to date on our latest episodes.